0: Welcome! You are listening to Go Dutch Day, a podcast from the embassy of the Kingdom of the Netherlands to Canada, in which listeners will hear from exceptional Dutch and Canadians and how they are solving global challenges together. This series will focus on how Canada and the Netherlands are working together to promote and protect human rights worldwide. Hi, my name is Kim Rowling, senior advisor at the embassy. Thank you for tuning in today. This episode is about human rights, accountability, justice and protecting citizens. Canada and the Netherlands work closely together on issues related to the rule of law, accountability and ending impunity. Today we would like to pay attention to two very important but also extremely complex cases. The downings of flights PS752 and MH17. Canada and the Netherlands have lost many of their citizens and residents because of these tragedies. They will not rest before everything possible has been done to find the truth and justice and reparations for the families of the victims. In addition, Canada and the Netherlands want to make sure that these kind of horrible aviation disasters will never happen again. Listen to the conversation between Ines Kapolse, Ambassador of the Kingdom of the Netherlands, and Honourable Ralph Goodell, who she will be introducing. This was recorded on Monday, January the 11th. Here they are.
1: Our special guest of today is the Honorable Ralph Goodall, special advisor to the Prime Minister for the Government of Canada's ongoing response to the Ukraine International Airlines flight PS 752 tragedy. Last month, Mr. Goodall published his report with the title Flight PS 752, the long road to transparency, accountability and justice. He has called his assignment one of the toughest, most moving assignments he had ever undertaken in his long career. Dear Mr. Goodall, it's an honour to have you with us today, and let me start by asking you a bit of a personal question, if I may. What went through your mind when you learned about the crash with so many Canadians on board?
2: Oh, I was watching the news that uh, that fateful night it was in Canada, morning in uh, in Tehran. Uh, and uh, the, the news just got progressively worse. First of all, there was an air crash, uh, and then um, more and more indication of, of who was on board, including quite literally dozens of, of Canadians or, or people connected to Canada. Uh, so there were, there were two um, predominant emotions. One was sharing the grief of so many people across the country at the loss of their, their loved ones. Uh, and uh, uh, anger that that this that this could happen. Uh, this was an innocent civilian airliner, and air traffic around the world should be safe and secure for innocent commercial airliners that uh, are uh, following all the rules and behaving in a perfectly normal way. Uh, but as we know with uh, the MH17 five and a half years ago over the border between Ukraine and and Russia. Another innocent aircraft uh, shot down. Uh, And uh, in this case, um, five and a half years later, another one. And that really needs to send a message to the aviation community worldwide that the prevailing arrangements for air safety are simply insufficient, they are inadequate. Uh, these disasters keep happening. Uh, and it's incumbent upon the global community to take the action that's necessary to stop this travesty.
1: Indeed, and, and of course, you were not part of the government then when this happened. But as a former uh, public safety minister, what, what do you focus on first as, as a government? Where, where, where do you start?
2: Well, I find in most disaster situations with the responsibility for emergency preparedness uh, in, the, uh, in the early going, uh, you can count on almost everything you hear the first time to be wrong. Uh, there's so much misinformation, disinformation, sheer lack of information. So the, the, first, the first priority is to fill that gap. Um, and in, in this case, I can give you two specific examples. Uh, the uh, the activity of uh, commercial airliners around the world is constantly monitored uh, by a whole variety of satellite systems. Uh, and And it was critically important to get that information from the satellite monitoring systems uh, so that we could without without relying on, uh, what may or may not have happened in Iran, so that we had our own uh, absolutely accurate, independent source of information to know uh, what this aircraft was was doing. Uh, was it behaving in the normal way? Was it taking off in the normal way? Uh, how long had it been airborne? Was its trajectory uh, the correct one and, and so forth? That data is available. Uh, so Transport Canada, uh, immediately began to download the information from all of the available satellites so that we would have that source of information about what this aircraft did and was doing uh, in those uh, fateful six minutes. Uh, and, and secondly, we had to get the manifest uh, to know with precision who was on that airplane and how many were connected to uh, to Canada uh that should have been available in the normal way on the ground from from sources uh, in in Iran. Uh, for some reason it wasn't at least it wasn't available immediately. Uh, so we um, uh, made use of our uh, diplomatic contacts with uh, U- with Ukraine and got the information from uh, from Kiev as opposed to Tehran. Um, and and th- that was really important to know. Who was on the aircraft with uh, with great precision and accuracy? Uh, so that that really is uh, is is job number one. Uh, get the facts. Uh, and uh, you, as you know, in case of PS752, for the first three days, uh, the official message from Iran was uh, the government and the military had absolutely nothing to do with it. Um We were suspicious of that from the very beginning because of the the radar pattern and the transponder pattern that that showed communication from the aircraft uh, simply stopped at a certain point uh and that is an indicator that something very um, very strange uh, has happened so we we worked all of our uh sources of information both classified and unclassified uh to um, to determine uh, why this, the, the, the data coming from the aircraft uh, terminated at a specific point uh, in a very sudden manner. Uh, and we were able, uh, within, uh, within uh, 48 hours, uh, less than that, uh, to say definitively cause of this disaster was a shoot-down. It wasn't a mechanical failure. It wasn't a fire in the engine. The, it, wasn't, it wasn't something the pilots had done wrong. Uh, this was a shootdown situation, which simply escalated the need for a full, transparent, comprehensive uh, investigation, uh, which we are still seeking to achieve. And, and the, I guess the, the third thing that I would mention that was so important to do in the early going is just communicate, communicate, communicate. Uh, the families you can imagine uh, wherever they might be in Canada or somewhere else around the world they've heard the news that that uh, the plane that their loved ones were on uh, has uh, has has gone down uh, the, the circumstances seem very uh, uh, suspicious and troubling. Uh, it is really important and this this is a message that we uh, actually received. Uh, from the netherlands in 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 hearing from from your officials and from your government um, uh, where do you put your emphasis in your dealing with a crisis like this uh, the message from uh, everyone we talked to uh, in uh, in your government was uh, communicate with the families put the families at the center of your response and make sure you communicate communicate communicate
1: Absolutely, I, I totally concur with that. Now, um, last Friday uh, on January the eighth, we uh, we all remembered the the, the the tragic downing of Flight PS seven five two. It's it's been a year now. Meanwhile, you have published your your report last month. Can you can you tell our listeners a little bit on what were your main findings and and also something on you know what will be the next steps because we're not ready yet.
2: Uh, there are many steps to come, and I, the, the title, I think, uh, is important, um, Flight PS752, The Long Road to Transparency, Accountability, and Justice. Uh, and it is a long road. And it, uh, it's one where uh, uh, Canada will have to walk hand in hand with the with the families of the victims and with other like-minded countries, like the Netherlands, uh, who, uh, who share our determination to get to a point where the skies are far safer than they were on that fateful morning over Tehran of one, just over one year ago. Um, the report uh, is uh, 75 pages and it, uh, it uh, includes uh, a description of uh, what happened and what we know uh, so far and it tries to reach some useful conclusions. Useful from the point of view of the families and useful from the point of view of the of the international community in getting the truth uh, about uh, about what happened. Um, the uh, the analysis and the recommendations I think fall in four broad categories. First of all, um, how do you how do you make sure that the that the families are the central focus of the work that's being done. And are getting the help and the services and the information uh, that uh, that they require. The uh, the needs of the families are are first of all the you know, the, the the physical human compassionate needs. Um, they may have to travel to the country where the uh, uh, where the tragedy happened. You need to facilitate visas and travel arrangements. Uh, you need to deliver consular services to families that are both uh, in. Uh, iran and and in Canada, in some cases uh, elsewhere uh, around the world. Um, you need to help with the identification of the victims, uh, the uh, collection of the of the remains uh, for those uh, families that want the the uh, the remains repatriated to Canada. You have to deal with those uh, those uh, very very difficult uh, issues in in transporting the bodies and so forth. Uh, there are arrangements to be worked out with with banks, with insurance companies, uh, and, and, and so forth. There are a whole range of those sort of uh, immediate physical needs. Uh, and it, it the government needs to chart this out for the families of the victims uh, so they know what needs to be done, they know a little bit about what uh, what to expect, and they know they're not alone. That government officials and government agencies from Canada are standing with them to help get them through all of this painful, painful uh, process. Uh, there's also a need for access to legal advice, uh, some some initial upfront uh, financing to cover uh, uh, expenses and, and and so forth. So those 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 physical arrangements. Uh, need to be dealt with uh, very quickly, as well as I said earlier, information. Uh, The lack of information, confusing, conflicting information, contradictory information, all of that's so painful for the families. Uh, And government agencies need to respond to that with uh, as accurate and and useful information as they possibly can. Uh, Secondly, we uh, we we had a a group of countries that were in the same boat as we were as victim countries. Uh, most of the of the victims uh, came from Canada or were connected to Canada, uh, but there were also victims from Ukraine, obviously, uh, from the United Kingdom, from Sweden, and from Afghanistan. Uh, and uh, we uh, we reached out to the international community, to those other countries, uh, to uh, to. Develop a, a coordinating group of, if you will, victim nations that could uh, work in concert with uh, with, with one another um, to uh, deal with this crisis in the uh, in the international arena. Uh, and uh, ultimately, there will be the issue of reparations to deal with. Uh, all of the countries need to work together so that they are they are presenting. Uh, a common front, if you will, mutually reinforcing each other, uh, to uh, to promote that that uh, that global collaboration. Um, the uh, the third set of uh, of recommendations uh, in my uh, report deals with what I consider to be defects in the international system. The Netherlands started this work following uh, MH17 uh, and made a number of recommendations to ICAO, uh, the International Civil Aviation Organization, for how you could improve the Chicago Convention, how you could improve uh, Annex 13 uh, for for dealing with uh, with disasters of of this kind, uh, and some of those recommendations from from the Netherlands have in fact been been uh, uh, accepted and, and implemented, uh, but there's still a long way to go because changing the rules is one good thing in a constructive direction, but then seeing that countries abide by the better rules is another question altogether. Uh, and we find that uh, so many countries that should be making decisions about closing their airspace, notifying the international community about dangers in that airspace, uh, of their their simply not doing it. Um, So in in terms of changing the rules, we identified three things. One one is who leads the investigation. In an air crash where uh, the problem was weather or pilot error or a mechanical failure or an engine failure, uh, the international rules that we have today work pretty well. But where the cause is military activity, as it was in the case of MH17, and it was in the case of PS752. Those those, uh, existing rules don't work very well because the rules say the country where it happened leads the investigation. But if that's a military cause, then the country responsible for the military is also investigating itself. And that's a built-in conflict of interest. In the case of MH17, Ukraine did exactly the right thing. They delegated responsibility to the Netherlands. And the Netherlands has done an absolutely superb job of discharging that responsibility. And congratulations to, uh, uh, to your country and, and, uh, and to uh, your government stretching right back to, uh, to 2014, because uh, it, this has been handled in a completely appropriate manner. Uh, The the Ukrainians did the right thing in delegating responsibility, and the Dutch have done a great job of picking up that responsibility and making sure that the investigation is done in a proper way. In the case of uh, PS752, um, that same sort of thing should have happened. The the country uh, where it happened is in a conflict of interest situation. Uh, But they instead have chosen to conduct their own investigation, largely in secret. There's no transparency. There's no accountability. That's why in my report, I laid out 21 different groups of questions and called upon uh, Iran to answer those questions in order to give the international community the information that they need about exactly what happened and, uh, and, and why. Key questions like: Was there a risk assessment done about that airspace once the missiles started to fly from Iran into Iraq? Uh, what kind of a risk assessment was done, if any was done? Um, uh, what steps were taken to consider closing the airspace? Why was the airspace not closed on the on the on the periphery of a of a very serious conflict? with rising tensions all through, uh, all through the, the, uh, uh, the region. Um, what, um, what steps were taken, if you were going to keep the airspace open, what steps were taken to let airline companies know that there was a conflict going on even with the airspace open? Uh, there's so many questions like that, that need to be answered in order to get to the truth. And getting to the truth is so critically important for two reasons. One, to give solace and comfort to the families who need to know what happened to their loved ones and why it happened. And secondly, to inform the international community so steps can be taken that it won't happen again. And right today, could this happen again over that that border between Ukraine and Russia in the case of MH17? Probably it could. Could it happen again in the dangerous airspace over Tehran? Probably it could. Because we have not had the clear indication of what happened and the clear work on the part of the international community to put the systems in place to prevent it happening again.
1: Thank you. Wow, That's, it's it's almost uh, unnecessary to ask any questions to you, Mr. Goodall, because you already say... In- Say so much. Uh, it's it's very um, uh, well. Thank you for that. And you, but you, ambassador, you refer- let, yeah. let, let me
2: let me repeat this point. Uh, the the work done by the Netherlands in the case of MH17 was superb, and you started the process of bringing the international community to recognize the deficiencies and begin work. On addressing those those deficiencies, and I know our prime minister was so very grateful to your prime minister and to officials in uh, uh, in the government in uh, in the Netherlands for being so generous with your advice, your information, your counsel. That was of great great assistance, and I think Canada and the Netherlands are very much on the same page in terms of working for safer skies and working for greater aviation safety all around the world.
1: Indeed, we are, and, and and thank you for for your for your gratitude, and 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 you you can remain sure that the Netherlands will remain committed to helping out Canada in this in this long road ahead. Um, the MH17, it's now more than six years ago. Indeed, in July 2014, it had 298 passengers on board, of which 100, 193 were Dutch. So so for small country like the Netherlands this was an incredible amount um, you mentioned the long road ahead for us the mh17 is still very much on the table why does it take so long uh, to you know to to know what really happened to have those respond to to have those responsible to to be held to account and you know and to have families compensated for 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 the immense loss what are in short the obstacles and, and challenges
2: well as you look through the precedents of uh, psm 752 mh17 uh, others going back uh, 20 30 40 years uh, there's a sad pattern here that virtually all of them take a long time to be resolved in some way and some of them are never resolved in a in a satisfactory manner um, so this, this is uh, an important question for the international community to turn its mind to. And I guess that's, that's the nature of the dilemma. You've got uh, large numbers of victims. They come from many different countries. Uh, and uh, in the case of PS752, uh, uh, there are at least six countries involved they each have their own legal systems. They each have their own uh, interests to promote and defend, uh, and they uh, they each have their own legal uh, approaches. Uh, their their uh, engagement with the international community is different, uh, and somehow the system has to accommodate all of that. Uh, as I as I said, if you're dealing with uh, an airplane crash, that results from weather or mechanical failure or fire and so forth. Um, the present system can bring about results uh, reasonably well. but where the military is involved, um, all the all the uh, um, obfuscation <laughs> comes up. Um, and and that's that's where I think uh, the international community needs to focus on different and better ways of uh, of doing things uh, so that you can have uh, independent investigations that people can count on uh, and trust that you are in fact uh, getting the truth. Um, on, on a procedural issue, for example, like the delivery of, of the, the black boxes and downloading and analyzing what is in the flight data recorder and what is in the cockpit voice recorder. Um, in the case of uh, of uh, MH17, that was in fact done within about 10 or 11 days. The black box was found, black boxes were found, uh, and they were downloaded uh, reasonably quickly, uh, within, I said, about 11 days, I believe. In the case of, of PS752, it took six months, and there's no excuse for that. So the international community needs to say, right now the rule is, download and analyze without delay. What does that mean? Uh, in the case of MH17, it was demonstrated, uh, once you find the, the, uh, the black boxes, uh, that's a process that only needs a couple of weeks to, uh, to accomplish. In the case of uh, the uh, Ethiopian Flight 302 uh, in 2019, um, that was done, uh, again, within nine or 10 days. Uh, why did it take six months? in the case of PS752. It, it will be argued that part of the delay was because of COVID, that the world couldn't travel, that countries couldn't get together to, to participate in the in the downloading and so forth. But the, the restrictions on international travel only began in the middle of March. All of January was available. All of February was available. The first half of March was available. Nine weeks when that worked could have been done, but it wasn't. And then it got caught up in COVID and it took, uh, it took six months. The, the international community needs, I think, to put a little more discipline around this, this procedure uh, to, uh, to say two or three weeks is more than adequate. Uh, and uh, if it takes longer than that, it draws some censure uh, from an organization like ICAO, for example. Um, the um, the international process, it seems to me, is too laid back. It's too benign. It needs to be more more forceful in looking after the interests of the victims, uh, and that could help to to speed things up. But uh, for the families, it's very frustrating. This is, this takes weeks and months and years Uh, and um, countries like like the Netherlands and Canada and many others who share our point of view uh, need to work together to bring a more disciplined approach to the international process.
1: Indeed, we should uh, and we will and now Mr. Goodall, we have discussed the roles of, of governments of, of legal advisors, of, of military uh, of families what about what about uh, civil society? Uh, you know including grassroots organizations and, and the media um, they can play a role in uh, you know pushing for accountability and and ending impunity so how how do you how do we cooperate with with these civil society stakeholders if at all
2: well I think part of it is making sure we're we're sharing the maximum amount of information that uh, that can be shared some of course is classified but but uh, most of it isn't uh, and I think uh, countries that, that share the concerns that we've been talking about uh, need to uh, make sure that uh, civil society organizations are informed and engaged, that the media is properly informed and engaged, uh, and that they understand what's at stake here. Uh, the, uh, uh, unless you get to the truth, uh, then the problems that uh, that that cause a crash uh, will continue to persist, uh, and we all have a very vital interest in safe international civil aviation uh, the the the, the compelling human side of this of this situation is making sure that the families have what they what they need in terms of uh, of information, and that's that's a leading priority. But in addition to that, uh, civil organizations, uh, uh, those that deal specifically with uh, with aviation, like the International Air Transport Association, uh, IATA, that's uh, that's that's one that needs to be engaged. The international media uh, need to be uh, engaged, Uh, those uh, uh, that that are concerned about the the integrity and the credibility of international organizations and their their capacity to bring countries together, to work in concert for for, uh, good and valid purposes like uh, civil aviation safety, Um, they all need to pull in the same direction. They can't do that unless they have reliable uh, information. Uh, so I, I, think, uh, I think engagement, uh, the provision of information and engagement with these organizations uh, is uh, is exceedingly valuable. Uh, and in the case of the initiative that Canada has put together with support from the Netherlands, the, the Safer Skies initiative, that's one of the things that we are uh, endeavoring to do in having a consultative mechanism built right into that process. So we share information. Uh, and, and we have annual conferences and annual measures of outreach uh, to engage countries and interested organizations and the media in this critical process. Because that's what will bring about change, pressure from, uh, from um, organizations around the world, from civil society, from the media that don't let the world forget if they forget mh17 if they forget ps752 then the problem will persist making sure none of us are allowed to forget is a critical part of this process that's where civil society can be uh, can be very very strong and valuable
1: i totally agree and um but let me end with uh, with a last question. We, we we live in a you know in in, in a times of a lot of global challenges and, and tensions. Um, so it's it's easy to you know to divert to the second problem to the third problem. There, there's so much going on. So so what you say? Uh, you know we have to keep it on the table. We have to make sure that uh, that this is not forgotten. But so in, in that perspective, um, are, are you optimistic about, you know, being able to make the skies safer with the Safer Skies initiative? And uh, are you optimistic about, you know, our ability to convince countries and airliners not to forget to take their responsibility? Or do you still expect a long uphill battle?
2: Well, it, it, it won't happen unless we persist. Uh, it won't happen automatically or by accident. Uh, this, this is a cause that we all have to uh, push hard to achieve. But just seeing how much the world has moved in the five and a half years since MH17, uh, clearly some progress has been made and it would not have been made without the leadership and the persistence of the Netherlands. And a lot of credit is due to your government for for building that momentum, um, and now we've had now PS seven five two, uh, and uh, Canada will try very hard to to uh, pick up the momentum from as far as the Netherlands took it, and and broaden the consensus and keep on the uh, the pressure. You're right with with issues like the COVID pandemic with. Uh, with uh, the battles against climate change uh, with the issues around global migration and global poverty and so forth there are so many things uh, that um, that distract in the international arena and obviously big issues that the world is is preoccupied with Uh, we need to make sure we all countries that uh, that believe in this cause we need to make sure that the that the the world can walk and chew gum at the same time, and that we can we can make progress on on all of these files, and that important ones like uh, civil aviation safety don't get crowded off the off the agenda. Uh, it won't be easy. Uh, it will it will take persistence, uh, and uh, Canada has made the commitment that we will be relentless in getting the answers that we believe the families need. Getting the answers that we believe the world needs in order to make aviation safer, and we we look back at the at the uh, the, the the meeting early in the summer last year when the idea of safer skies was discussed in the ICAO Council, uh, and it was approved unanimously. Uh, Thirty-six uh, nations on that council uh, were for it, uh, and then the countries that came together in December at the first. Safer Skies uh, International Conference. Uh, it, was a, it was a huge turnout, a very strong uh, representation from around the world with, with everyone on the same page uh, in terms of what needed to be accomplished. So there's some signs of progress, some encouraging progress, but no one can afford to relent or let up or, or uh, become uh, complacent. Uh, this, uh, this will only change if the world is determined to make it change. Uh, And if we're prepared to say, uh, for those countries that aren't going to shoulder their responsibilities, then maybe there needs to be some discipline, like you you can't be a full participant in a KO anymore. If you're going to leave your skies open when when it's dangerous to do so. If you're not going to take the steps to assure the rest of the global community that your airspace is safe. Uh, and be transparent about it, and be accountable about it. So it can be proven that it's safe and it's not just speculation. You know, there needs to be some discipline behind this uh, in order to achieve the objective. But the objective is fundamentally important, saving lives.
1: Beautiful last words. Mr. Goodall, thank you so much. Um, Persistence is key. And yeah, that's uh, that's that's what our listeners should take from uh, from from your uh, from your statements here. Thank you so much for participating in this uh, podcast, and um, good luck with uh, with your next steps. Thank you very much.
2: Thank you, and thank you for the great collaboration from the Netherlands. Very very important.
1: As we heard from the Honourable Ralph Goodell special advisor to Prime Minister Trudeau for Canada's ongoing response to the tragedy with flight PS752, Canada will not rest until everything possible has been done to find answers to the questions of the families of the victims. The same goes for the Netherlands and flight MH17. No stone will remain unturned, even if it takes a very long road to get there. Prime Minister Trudeau and Prime Minister Mark Rutte of the Netherlands spoke again last November 2020 about what we do to seek accountability and justice following the shooting down of these two civilian aircrafts and the need to work closely together to prevent such tragedies from happening again. Our two countries will continue to work together to keep momentum building internationally, to achieve solace for the families of the victims of air tragedies, and safer, more secure civilian air travel worldwide. Let me end with a quote from Prime Minister Mark Rutte, delivered during his commemoration speech for the families of the victims of MH17. Justice for the diseased, that remains our common goal. Our hearts scream for haste, but our minds dictate diligence. After all, the road to justice passes through perseverance and unity.
0: You heard from Ines Kapolse, Ambassador of the Kingdom of the Netherlands to Canada, who was in conversation with the Honourable Ralph Goodo, Special Advisor to the Prime Minister of Canada. We started this episode by highlighting the central topic of our podcast series, human rights. Human rights means respecting human life and the rights of citizens. Human rights are and will be front and center in our joint and continued effort to find transparency, accountability and justice. Thank you for listening to Go a podcast brought to you by the Embassy of the Kingdom of the Netherlands to Canada. Visit our website for more information,
2: netherlandsandu.no.